that uh, for a woman to be barren was a, a, an incredible uh, burden to carry because the implications of being childless in this culture were that you uh, found your value as a woman having children. You found your security and your future. If you didn't have children, you would eventually have no one to take care of you. And so this was a very important part of uh, having children. Secondly, we addressed the problem of polygamy. We talked about how Abraham and Sarah came up with a plan to try to bring the promise that God had given to Abraham through uh, Abraham having uh, Sarah's servant, uh, Hagar, as uh, and have a child through Hagar and get the promise through Hagar. We talked a little bit about that. And, and essentially what we said was that polygamy, though it was prevalent in the ancient world, it brought pain and heartache everywhere it was practiced. It, it did just massive destruction. And, and the weeks to come, we're going to see some of the problems that polygamy brought to families in that culture. It was a very prevalent problem. The, th- the next thing we looked at is we, we talked about the son of promise and the son of the bondwoman. That Sarah was told by God, to God, by God that Sarah would be the, the mother of the promised one. And so we have Hagar, who was the slave woman, and essentially Sarah and Abraham are trying to bring the promise through human means, through Hagar, and God is saying, no, it's not going to be through Hagar. It's not going to be Ishmael, her son. It, the promise is going to come through Isaac through your son Isaac and it's going to be through uh, you and Sarah and it's going to be a miraculous uh, event. Um, And then we looked at Galatians where Paul talks about that we're not made right by our own human efforts but by God's gracious mercy in our lives. So we want to pick up from there and we want to look at uh, a passage in Genesis chapter 16. This is on page 12. If you would like to, I'd encourage you to turn into your chair Bible to to page 12. Or if you have a phone, uh, feel free to open that up or an iPad um, or a Kindle, whatever you use. And uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 16. And I want to start reading at verse uh, 17. Genesis 16, verse 7. Uh, the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside the spring of water in the wilderness along the road of shore. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. The son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all of his relatives. Therefore, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, You are the God who sees me. She also said, Have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was, so that well, excuse me, was named Bir Lahai Roy, 
which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abraham a son, and Abraham named him Ishmael. Now, just jump back under the description, because the, the Muslim people, Muslim people, look to Ishmael, and they, they look to Abraham and Ishmael as the son of blessing. But notice the description of Ishmael. It's very interesting. And I think it's very contemporary to our day. So we would say the Arab people generally would look to Ishmael. And notice what it says about Ishmael. And this isn't a statement about all Arab people, but it just, it just talks about the conflict in our world today. And it says about Ishmael, and I believe about his descendants, this son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. That's not the part. But notice, he will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. And it's almost as though we see that in the world when we see the conflict between the Christians and the Jews and the Arabs today. It's uh, just totally, uh, we see that playing out. The descendants of Ishmael going against the descendants of of Isaac, so uh, that's part of the the world we live in. Uh, but our text, we want to draw a few applications from this event because it's really quite a stunning event that's taking place. And hopefully, when I get done, you'll you'll accept that and you'll see that yourself. The first thing I want to point out is that running from problems. Have you noticed this? That running when you run from your problems, it rarely solves them. And we tend to do that. Some of us are conflict avoiders. We don't want to deal with conflict. We want to bury it under a rug. We want to run away from it. But essentially, that doesn't solve the problem. And so when the angel of the Lord is, uh, is speaking to Hagar, uh, the angel says, What are you doing? Where have you been and where are you going? And uh, she says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. Uh, now, Hagar probably had a good reason to run from Sarah. She was being mistreated. And sometimes that happens where God puts us in difficult situations, situations we don't want to be in. And we tend to say, I'm getting out of here. I want to I want to stop this and I want to make life easier. But the angel of the Lord instructs her to return to her mistress, uh, Sarah, and to submit to her. And I want to make a few observations about this because I think it's it's a significant thing that's going on in the text. The first thing is, this phrase, angel of the Lord, is a significant phrase in the Old Testament. Um, this is only used to generally, when we see it and used in the Old Testament, it is used of God. It is speaking of God. So in other words, what, what the writer uh, is saying here is that God is talking and appearing to Hagar. And we believe this to be the second person of the Trinity. And that's Jesus. So... Some of you may not know this, but when Jesus was born in a manger to, to Mary, that wasn't the beginning of his existence. He existed before time. He is without beginning and without end. That's the definition of God. He is without beginning and without end. And he is the second person of the Trinity. And in John's Gospel, we read that Jesus, the Word, became flesh. But the Word made everything that we see in our universe. He created everything that we have. And He appeared to people in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. Certainly Hagar 
knew that she was meeting with God here. But she was meeting with the second person of the Trinity. She was meeting with Jesus. And the point I want you to see here is the, the instruction that, that she's going to get here in a minute. Uh, so these, this is really an appearance, an Old Testament appearance before his incarnation, before he was born, took on human flesh through Mary in Bethlehem. This is a, what we call the pre-incarnate uh, Christ appearing to Hagar. Now, the second thing that's very interesting is that she is instructed to return and submit to Sarah. Now, Sarah probably has been mistreating her. So it seems like he's asking her, he's asking her to go into an abusive situation. And the question is, how could she do this? How could she go back knowing that she had been mistreated by Sarah? How could she know back, go back there with knowing that? And the only way that she could go back is she had to know that God was with her. That's the only way. Listen, that's the only way when we get in a difficult situation and we have to plow through it. And God says, I want you to stay there. I I don't want you to run. I don't want you to flee. I want you to stay there. The only way we can do it is knowing that God is there with us. Isn't that true? And so what God is doing there is He's telling Hagar, you go back, but you're not going back alone. I'll be with you. I will be with you. It's a tough situation, but I will be with you. And so she could return, but she could return knowing that God was with her. Now, I don't know where you're at, and I don't know if you're running from a problem or a situation or a a relationship, uh, but I want to tell you something. It may be that God is calling you to go back. It may be that God's calling you to go back and address that situation. But here's the promise that God gives you. That it will be hard. It will be difficult. But God says, if, if you feel that God is calling you to go back to a hard situation, know that He says, I am going with you. You're not going alone. I will be with you. I will be there with you. Now, I'm going to prove that to you, and I'm going to show you that too as we move on. Um, but, my, my, but I want to ask a question. Is it possible, and, and I, kind of, I kind of posed this question as we closed last weekend, is it possible that we're missing out on the miracles and the power of God working in our lives because when the situation, when the circumstance gets difficult, we bail? Or we try to find a human solution. Instead of saying, God, I know you want me here, and this is tough, and this is difficult, and, and, and I know you want to do something, I just feel like bailing. I feel like just hitting the switch and just getting out of here. And God is saying, no, stick in there, because I'm going to do something powerful. I'm going to do something miraculous through you, in you, around you, in, in this circumstance, in this situation. I wonder if we're missing out on the power and the miraculous of God because we just bail. I wonder... I'm asking that question. But how would Hagar know that God was with her? And, 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 and more importantly, maybe for us, how do we know that God is with us? How do we know that? Now, she had an appearance. God appeared to her and said, I'm going to be with you. <laughs> and we'll see that more as we move on. Uh, but he's, this, this is the second thing we see. That God, not, God hears our misery. God hears our misery. You know, he didn't say to Hagar, he said, I heard your prayer. I heard you praying. I heard you offering up prayers to me. He didn't say that. (laughs) He, He heard her distress. 
He didn't. He, he heard her distress. You see, God doesn't hear of. He, 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 he hears distress. He heard her heart. He saw her pain. He showed up in the midst of her distress. He is touched with our pain and our loss and our heartache and our suffering and our disappointment and our distress. You know, sometimes we think, uh, oh, I don't pray enough. And maybe you don't. I don't know. But I want you to know that God hears your distress. He hears it. He, he sees it. He, he is aware of it. He knows your disappointment. He knows your distress. He knows your pain. He, they, they cry out to Him. Whether you're praying, you're, you're getting on your face before God or not, He hears you. He hears your heart and He hears your distress. The point I want you to see is this, that God didn't come because Hagar prayed a beautiful and powerful prayer. He came because she was hurting. Came because she was hurting. Do you remember when uh, the people of Israel were in um, Egypt and they were slaves? And they were in misery and they were suffering. And God basically said, enough is enough. And he calls Moses. Moses is out in the wilderness. And he calls Moses and he says, out of a bush, out of this burning bush that's not consumed. And this is what he says to Moses. Notice what he says. This is Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. Then the Lord told him, he's speaking to Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Israel. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave masters. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. Have you ever wondered, does God hear? Does God see? Does He notice? Does He know what I'm going through? Does He care? I have. (laughs) But He's not only the God who hears, but He also is the God who sees He's the God who sees. Not only is He God who sees, but He's the God who lets us see Him. See, it's not only that He hears our distress, but He sees. Hagar literally, when when she comes across the angel of the Lord, she literally says this. This is what the Hebrew says. Have I seen after the seer? Have I seen after the seer? And essentially what she's saying is this. Have I seen the one who sees all things? Have I seen, am I seeing the one who sees all things? In other words, she's saying, am I really having an audience with the Almighty? That's the question she's asking. And this is a very significant statement because Hagar realizes she has brushed into the holy and lived to tell about it. She is actually having an audience with the Almighty and she knows it. She says, am I really seeing the one who sees everything? Is that, is that possible? She has seen God, the angel of the Lord, and is alive. Now what makes this even more stunning is this. She's not a Jew. She's not one of God's chosen people. She's not related to Abraham. She is culturally an outsider. Secondly, she's a woman. Now, women, you know, in a sense, in in our American culture, we are moving towards a place where we hope that women feel like they're equal partners 
in this society. It was not the case in this ancient culture. Being a woman generally meant you were at the bottom of the social ladder in the ancient world. So not only is she not culturally in, in the right place, but she's not uh, socially in the right place. Number three, she's a slave. She's not a free person. She's a slave. She's not a woman of prominence. She was economically at the bottom of the societal ladder. And no one cared for or about Hagar economically. She was at the bottom. No one cared about her. No one cared for her except the angel of the Lord. Except God. See, this is so stunning because the angel of the Lord doesn't make a lot of appearances in the Old Testament. And here he's making an appearance to a woman who is not a Jew, a woman, and a slave woman. It's very similar to Jesus in John chapter 4 where he meets a woman. And she's at a well in the middle of the day. Now, she was a Samaritan who were hated by the Jews. She was a woman, again, lower rung in the societal, but she was also there at the middle of the day. You say, think about today, right? Was today a hot day? It's a hot day. Generally, on the hot days that we've had lately, you say, if you had to go to a well today to get water for the day, or just get water, when would you go? I'd go in the morning. Or I'd go at night. I, and I do it because it's cooler, right? But it was also a social event. So why was the woman in John 4 coming to meet with Jesus? Or why was she coming in the middle of the day? Because she didn't want to have the social interaction. So she was a woman. She was, not, she was a Samaritan. And she was probably out of the, out of the, uh, the cultural clique. Here's the same thing. This woman has no one except the angel of the Lord. So, so Hagar must have thought, if, if, if I'm allowed to come near to God and not die, if He lets me in, what do I have to be afraid of? Sarah? I don't think so. If God is going to go with me, if he's going to be, if I can meet with God and not and still be alive, if I can be with the one who sees all, I'll be all right. She is beginning to grasp the gospel. She is able to go back, knowing that God was with her and will be with her. She has no, she has nobody. She, she is, she's a nobody, but she's a nobody who's just had an audience with God. Amazing grace, right? Now, the point I want you to see is this. That God sees and hears the hurting. God is the God of seeing. God sees those who are invisible victims. He hears the cries of the marginalized. God sees and hears, but He doesn't stop there. He takes action. God takes action. God is concerned with the afflicted whomever they, are, they may be, if, even if they are downtrodden, forgotten, or unseen by those around them. Now that's good news for most of us, I think. Because don't you feel, 
Don't you feel in the big scheme of things in this universe, in this world, even in this city, that, that maybe God is too busy for you, that He really doesn't understand what you're going through, and He doesn't understand your struggles, and He doesn't hear your heart, and your, He doesn't hear your frustrations, and your, He doesn't get that all. He doesn't see it, and He doesn't hear it, because He's got so many other things to hear and see. And I just want you to say, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear that God hears your heart. He hears you. He sees you. He knows what's going on. The good news for most of us is that God is looking for the hurting, the broken, the imperfect, the distressed people. And He wants to join us in our suffering. See, He doesn't just see it and hear it. He joined her. He came and said, you can go back. Go back, because I'm going to go with you, and it will be different when you go back. Go back. We often feel abandoned by God when life gets hard, don't we? But the story of Hagar illustrates the heart of God. That He hears the cries of the distressed. That He sees the injustice, the cruelty, the hardship. And He joins us in our suffering. He joins us in our suffering. That's really good news. I don't know where you're at this week. I don't know what your week has been like. I don't know how it went. But I do know this. That whether you were aware of it or not, God was with you. And He knew what you were going through. And He knew that that person said or did that thing to you that hurt you so much. And He knows what's going on with your body. (laughs) Some of you are struggling. Some of you are in pain. Some of you are having a difficult time right now. And you say, I wonder if... If, if anybody knows. And, and I just want you to know God knows and God understands. In fact, the greatest human event ever recorded was that God joined humanity in their greatest need. And the Gospel tells us about that. Because the, in Jesus... We learn that God not only sees and hears the afflicted, but He willingly became afflicted for us. That's an amazing thing. Stop and think about that. That God not only heard the affliction, but He joined it. He came into this world. John says it in his Gospel. He created everything. But the world did not know Him. Did not know Him. He willingly became afflicted for us. He heard. He saw. He came. He died. He rose. And the Bible says He's coming again. He's coming again. Do you find hope in that? That this is a woman that everyone in that part of the world at that time said, who cares? And the angel of the Lord came down to her and said, I do. I care. I heard your suffering. I heard your misery. 
And the application for us is, we're His sons, we're His daughters. If we've called upon the Lord, He knows what you're going through. He understands your heartache. He understands your struggles, your misery, your affliction. He, he gets that. And, and he didn't just, he doesn't say, okay, I see it and I hear it, but he joins in and he says, the greatest need that you have is to be set free of this. And it may be today, it may be tomorrow, but it certainly will be sometime in the future. See, the point we want to see is that God not only sees and hears our suffering, he suffers for us. So, where are you in all of this? Do you know Him? Because He is not only the God who reveals Himself to us, sees us, but He reveals Himself to us. He shows Himself to us. Just like the angel of the Lord appeared to Hagar, Jesus appeared to us. And, and we have a record, we have an account of His of His time here on earth and what He did and why He did it. And we have epistles that explain all of that to us. And we have the story of Jesus. And, and so Jesus has not only made the world, but He's come into the world and He's saved the world. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so He comes to you and He says to you this weekend, you may feel alone. You may feel marginalized. You may feel that you're going through an affliction and you're in a difficult time, a difficult situation, but you're not alone. I'm with you. I'm there. I get it. I hear you. I, I, I hear your affliction. I see your heart. I know your pain. I know your suffering. I get that. And I'm not just leaving you. I will be with you. And he says to Hagar, go back to Sarah and go back with this son that I'm going to give you. And by the way, did you catch the name of what the son's name is? Did you catch that in the text? What it said? When she gave the name, when she gave the name Ishmael, what does it mean? God hears. God hears. So if you ever wonder, does He care about me? Does He hear me? Does He see what I'm going through? I hope you remember this, this woman, Hagar. Just kind of this slave woman who you're not going to hear a lot about. But the angel of the Lord met with her. <laughs> Somebody that everybody in society had checked off as who cares? And God came that day to Hagar and said, Well, I do. So if you ever wonder, does he care? I think there's a hand in heaven that goes up and says, I do. And if you're not sure how much I care, go to the cross. That'll give you an idea. He is with you. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, thank You that You are with us. We live in a world where the enemy keeps telling us You don't matter. 
you're unimportant. There is no one there. But your word tells us we are loved. You are there. You hear our distress. You see our pain. You know our hearts. You've you've entered into this and you understand what it means to be betrayed, what it means to suffer, what it means to die, what it means to to go through uh, mistreatment and abuse. You understand all of that. Sometimes, Father, the enemy allows us to believe that you just don't care. May we respond to the enemy with the truth that we've heard this weekend about Hagar. That when everyone else said, Hagar who? You said, Hagar, the one I love, the one I care about, the one I have plans for. May we recognize today, tomorrow, and this week that we always have an audience with you. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.